You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. So let's talk about our follow. Jesus said that his sheep hear his voice and they follow him. This is uh, in John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is kind of, he's kind of like he's telling us a little bit about the, about the relationship. I know my sheep. They hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I know who they are, and they follow me. Sheep follow. Sheep follow. Now, what's wrong with our follow? I, I, I think we need to talk about what's wrong with our follow so we can fix our follow, because I don't know that our follow has been where it needs to be. So, so let's talk about it. I, I got three, three notes, and two of them are really quick, really short. The third one we're going to really dig into. Let me run into these first two really quick. I think, I think here's, here's a couple things. You know what the opposite of follow is? The opposite of follow is to disregard or disobey, right? You, you can follow somebody's direction, or you can disregard their direction. You can follow somebody's direction, or you can, or you can disobey their direction. We have been lax in our following. Choosing easy Christianity, finding excuses. I think Regina was uh, posted something I said a long time. I don't know why she came across it again. But you know, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. And if it's not, you'll find an excuse. We've been lax in our following. Choosing easy Christianity, finding excuses, and making the elements of following unimportant in our lives. What are the, the elements of following? What, what do I mean by that? Why, why did I choose to call it that? Things like, what are the elements of following Christ? Prayer, he taught us to pray. You know, uh, studying scripture, knowing God's word. You know, he, he, he was constantly, it was constantly coming out of his mouth, the word of the Old Testament that, that they already had at that time. You know, gathering together, it's something that Jesus led us to do. You know, it was his habit, scripture tells us, to go to the temple. It was his habit. All of those things. And when we make those things unimportant, then what we do is we make following Christ unimportant. And so we've got to ch- fix that about our following. Here, there's another opposite. There's another way that, that follow there's, has another opposite, another antonym. Let's go to that slide. Another opposite of follow is to lead. If, if you're not following, you know, if you're leading, you're not following. If, if you're going ahead of someone, then you're not following. And, you, and, and so most of the time we think, well, being a leader is a good thing, right? We need leaders but in our relationship with Christ, we're not supposed to be the one leading, are we? I mean, you know, that, that's become part of our problem, I think, in the last few years, I'd say definitely has grown, whether it's become the problem, but I think it's definitely grown in the past few years, is because what we've done is we've begun, we've begun leading Christ. We've begun telling him, here's what I'm going to do, and here's how, you know, your scripture says this, and so here's how I want you to fulfill that in my life. I mean, we start telling Jesus how to do things. Or, and we start telling him why, well, I can't do this because of, and we don't realize, but we put ourselves in front, and we're leading and said, but the problem is Jesus don't follow <laughs> because he's the leader. This is a mouthful right here, but I, I, and I'm sorry if it's real wordy, but that's, that's just the way I felt led to lay it out. We have become arrogant in our wisdom and our liberty. In our wisdom of, of this is what we know. So Jesus, this is what I know, you know, and, and maybe we're not talking to him. We're going to approach that right there too. Or in our liberty. Is this is what I'm willing to do or give up? And this is what I'm not willing to do or give up or to approach or, or to sacrifice. We have become arrogant in our wisdom and our liberty. By our arguments to each other, 
you know, our arguments against following, well, I, I, you know, I'm not going to do that. Maybe we don't say that out loud. Our, by, by our arguments to others against following, we are in actuality lecturing God on how or where he is wrong to expect our commitment and our sacrifice. Think about that. Like I said, that was a mouthful, wasn't it? But think about that. It's when, it's when we make all these excuses for why we're not going to follow, why we're not going to be committed, why we're not going to be challenged and accept the challenge to be. We're not making excuses to one another. We're lecturing God on, you're wrong about that. I mean, literally, we're telling him he's wrong because th this really isn't required of me just because I'm a Christian, which leads me to this. This, this is the third one. I told you there were, there were three, and th those two were kind of quick. <laughs> the third one is we have equated belief with following. This is the biggest reason I believe that we are struggling with our follow is because we have equated belief with our follow. It's like there's this pendulum in all of humanity, I think. We struggle, as, as human beings, we struggle with balance, right? I mean, we struggle with balance. It's like we go this way and then we go this way, right? It's like we can't figure out this work and home life balance. It's like we were saying, man, I got to really get on my job. And we work, work, work. And it's like, man, I got to have a break. And we take a break, you know, and let everything fall. It's like we have a hard time with this. Our addictions. That's why in our addictions we have to go so far because we can't take just a little bit. You know, where somebody else, may, maybe, it's, maybe it's not. But for you, maybe it is. And, and, and think about this. This pendulum of grace and works. Imagine... Um, Martin Luther, we don't have to really imagine if he actually lived 500 years ago. But imagine when you were there, right? He lived five, 500 uh, years ago. And in his religion, it was all about works. And, and, and he spent his time going to the church to confess my sins. And, and, and he was so wrapped up in confessing his sins and doing penance and, and working his way to having salvation that there were times that he said that as he was leaving the church building, he would remember another sin that he forgot to confess, and he'd go back inside and confess it too. He was so wrapped up in, in this that he, he, they would just constantly, it was this, I was working, working, working. And then one day he read that scripture. It's in the Bible more than once. But he read that scripture that said, the just shall live by faith. Okay, some of you have read that one before, right? I got to believe he's read it before too. He's probably heard it a hundred times. He's, he's read it a hundred times. But that day, something clicked. You know when I was telling you like last week and several months ago about reading the Bible? And, and sometimes you just need to read and read and just get all you can. But I'm really encouraging you right now, read until something clicks. That's what I'm talking about. He had read that over and over. But that day, something clicked. Wait a minute. The just, it doesn't say the just lives by all this effort that I put in, but that I'm supposed to live by faith. And so he, he nailed up, you know, all of his opposition to the works and all that, nailed up, the, and he said, wait, this, this, this is wrong. This, it works, works, works. And, and then what happened is a lot of us Protestants, we said, yep, that's not what it is. Whoop, let's get way over here. That it's all about faith or belief. And see, and we have this thing, we, we, we can't figure out the balance, but that's what James teaches us, James chapter 2, verse 17. Which is most important? Neither. They're both important. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. So it's not just works and it's not just, it's got to be both. 
It's not just, it's not just well, but that's what we did is we came way over here to believe. And it's almost like if you, you preach a sermon on, on, on works over here, well, everybody's going to feel convicted and everybody's going to sign up to do something just because, well, we've got to work our way to salvation into heaven and whatever. And we flip back over. No, we need to get both of these together. And I want to talk about that in, in the rest of this message right here. Is that belief, faith, is the way we come to Jesus Christ, but there is something else beyond that because Think about this. Jesus didn't call his disciples to believe him. What did he call them to do? Okay, I thought, let's go ahead to that, that slide right there. Yeah, to follow him, right? And we got four scriptures right there. These are just four examples. You can find them in the, in the sermon notes on the Connect page, okay? But he called them. When he found Simon Peter, you know what Simon Peter had been fishing? Didn't, didn't catch any fish. I mean, I don't have time to go into that whole long story. But Jesus does a miracle, and Simon Peter's like, oh, whoa, wait. And then, and then Jesus says, but follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Then he finds Levi, who's also known as Matthew, sitting doing his job. He's a tax collector, and he looks at him, and he says, follow me. And then he finds Philip, and that's the third scripture there. He finds Philip, and you know what he, what he tells him to do? Can you guess? <laughs> follow me, right? He tells him, follow me. Then Later, after, after about three years of ministry together, Jesus and his disciples, he's there after, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection. He is there on the shore of Galilee, and there are the disciples, and he turns to Simon Peter. Now, and now, he told him at the beginning of all of this ministry, way back there in Matthew 4, 19, he told him, follow me. And now at the end, Jesus is about to leave the earth, and you know what he tells him? Again, he doesn't say, hey, now believe everything I told you, even though he does say that. But he looks Simon Peter, he says that a little later, but he looks Simon Peter in the eyes and he says, again, follow me. Now, he can't follow him physically because he can't go where Jesus is about to go. He can't go there that way. He can't follow him in that way, but he can follow all the things that he said. So, so, so Jesus doesn't tell us to believe him. He tells us to follow him. Christianity, the next slide, this is another little bit of a mouthful. Christianity is not just believing the right doctrine, but also imitating by following his example. Can we read that again and get that? Christianity is not just believing the right doctrine, but also imitating Jesus by following his example. That's what Christianity is. It's, it's not just believing. You see, true faith in Jesus, always, always, I'm sorry, I'm on the next slide. True faith in Jesus, always, always, can you say that word with me? Always, 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 true faith in Jesus will, let me say it again, always, it will always lead us to follow him. And that if we aren't following him, according to Scripture, I think that's what the Scripture says, do we really have faith? True faith in Jesus always causes us to follow him. James 2.4, remember we were at James 2.17 a moment ago when saying that it's not this, it's not that, you've got to have them both together. Three verses before that, God tells us, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Listen to what he's saying. I, I didn't say this. This is God, what God is, has, has prompted through the Holy Spirit for James to write down. Is that if you say, I've got faith, but, but, but your faith doesn't cause something different in your actions, are you really saved? I, I mean, that's a paraphrase. That's a, 
loose paraphrase, okay? That's a Rick paraphrase. We say, could that kind of faith save anyone? A faith that doesn't change anything else about you? A faith that doesn't change anything else about, about the way you treat others, about the way you live your life, about the decisions that you make, the choices and those things. Can that kind of faith really save anyone? And look, Acts chapter 26, uh, Paul is standing before King Herod Agrippa, and he is giving his defense, and he is testifying. And here's what he says. He says, I preached first to those in Damascus, and then in Jerusalem, and then throughout all Judea, and also to the Gentiles. He said, okay, I preached to all these people, and I've told them all this thing, that all must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove they have changed by the good things they do. Not that they believe. Not prove it by your faith. Prove it by the good things that you do. So true saving faith produces actions attesting to salvation. Belief is not enough. True saving faith will cause you to act differently than you did before you came to know Jesus. True saving faith will produce actions proving, attesting to your faith in Jesus. How many times people have said, I can't, I can't tell you how many times people have said, but I believe in Jesus and that's all that counts, right? That's all that matters. You ever heard anybody say that? I mean, I, I've heard people say that right after they've told me about something they do or they've done or some way they've treated somebody else or something that is so unchristlike and they, they, they've treated it, you know, just totally unchristlike. And then they say, But I believe in Jesus and that's all that counts, right? No, definitely not according to those scriptures because true faith in Jesus will cause us to imitate him, to follow him. It will produce actions attesting to that salvation, that saving faith that we have inside of us. Now, I don't know this guy. I don't know this pastor, but I ran across a little bit of his writings, and I thought, ooh, that's good, and I had to throw this in here. Pastor Alex Romero, and he, it's just one long paragraph, and I broke it down. There, there's, it looks like four points there. He didn't break it. I broke it down like that just so you and I could kind of break it down in our thoughts, okay? And he talks about this thing of just believing, just believing, okay? And he says, however, this misunderstanding about believing only, number one, erodes the value of Christian service, love. There is no Christian service if all we have is belief. I mean, if all we're doing is we just believe, then nobody's serving, nobody's showing love, nobody's doing anything for anybody else. So, you know, if you, if you think about it, you and I already know that belief alone is not enough, right? Because <laughs> there's no Christian service if belief is all. All I got to do is believe. I don't have to do anything. I can sit here on this chair and just believe, and that's all there is. Then nobody has to do anything that counts or that matters. And we know that's not true, Right? This misunderstanding about believing only erodes the value, number two, of working out our salvation with fear and trembling. I want to try to help some of you here in this just a moment, okay? That when we, when we say belief is enough, that belief is all there is, then that scripture right there about working out salvation, Philippians 2.12, where does that come in then? That, wait a minute, i, I got to work out my own salvation? Now, it doesn't mean that you have to get over here with these works again and work on your salvation, but work it out. There is something else for you to understand. 
There's something deeper for you to dig into. There's, that's, that's why we need Bible study, not just a Bible on the nightstand or just an app on our phone. We need to study that Bible on the nightstand or that app on our phone or wherever, wherever, wherever it is because we are called to work it out. And so, work, yeah, and, and so th- this is where I want to help some of you because some of you are saying, you know, some, I don't know, I, I don't understand it just seems like all of you Christians, you know, you already, you've all got it figured out and you've got it all together. But sometimes, man, sometimes it just feels like work for me. It's supposed to be. Anything worth having is worth working for. I mean, did anybody take calculus in high school? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. I was going to say, none of y'all. They didn't make a, you know, did anybody besides me struggle with cal- that had to work on calculus in high school, Right. I mean, it's not supposed to be easy. We used to say, you know, if it's easy to have little girls out here doing this, right? I mean, you know, it's, we're supposed to be, it, it's supposed to be work. I mean, some of you, you got your, your vocation, you've got your career. When you first started that career, some of you old guys, think about it. You, you know it all now, you know. But way back when, was that ever a struggle? Did you ever have to work at learning something and work and work and work until you could do it right? Can, can you not... Kurt, can you tell the difference in somebody who's been welding for five minutes and five years? I mean, it, it's worth, anything worth having is worth working for. But when salvation, when Christianity is just belief, there's no working at it. It's just, oh, just, it's just, and you know what happens? You know what happens when we do that? Then we are left with just our ability to do life. When we don't understand that there's more there, then we are left with just our ability. Oh, let me hurry. Uh, number three, it, uh, that, this, I'm sorry, back up because i got to get three and four. It, it nullifies, this misunderstanding about believing only nullifies the call we have of discerning what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And if we don't do that, if it's just belief, then we're not doing that. We're not finding out what is the best, what are the good things, what, what, what is the most awesome, what is the will of God for this situation? Then we're not just left with our abilities, we're left with our understanding and our wisdom. You know, now I'm, ha- I'm having to do it on my own because it's just about belief. I'm not digging in to find out what is God's will. So that the one who knows everything and knows tomorrow and knows how he's going to fix everything and even fix tomorrow, instead of having his input in my life, I have to do it all by myself. Because I'm not chasing his, his will. And number four, this mantra of believing only reduces godliness, compassion, acts of mercy, and the pursuit of justice as mere add-ons to Christian life. Add-ons, think options. Optional. That when it's belief only, those things, godliness, compassion, acts of mercy, pursuit of justice, when it's belief only, those things are optional. I don't have to be compassionate. I don't have to live godly. I don't have to turn off the TV and stop watching that. I don't have to be concerned about how I talk to you. Oh, let somebody else fight for justice in the streets. I don't have to do that. I have my own opinions. That's what happens when belief is gone. And that's why so many people today, listen, are frustrated with Christianity because Christians see so many things as optional. We've lost our follow, and so the, so the cry for justice is not there in a many people. And that's why some are frustrated. Or, or the flip side of that is, is people are frustrated with Christians 
who are all about justice, but not about the compassion that's supposed to be the, you know, it's, here's again, justice and compassion. We're supposed to have them both. And that's why so many people are frustrated with Christianity because Christianity has become something that wasn't Christ's design. You see, the things, the things that really hurt you, the things that really dig at you about why this needs to change, it digs at your heart because you got that compassion and, and cry for justice and mercy. You got that from the heart of Christ. It's not, it's not separate from it. It's not like you're trying to figure out how to make Jesus. No, Jesus is the one that put it inside of you. You're not fighting him on that. But if you'll follow him in that, he'll show you a better way. So let's, let's wrap this up. Here's bottom line right here. Jesus said, if we believe, then we would see great miracles. And there's just a few scriptures right there where he said, if you believe, this happens. If you believe, if you believe, if you believe. Wow, awesome, amazing, right? If we believe, we see great miracles. And so how many sermons have you heard on belief? How many sermons have you heard on believe and it'll happen, faith and it'll happen? Faith is a grain of a mustard seed. Say into this mountain, cast into the sea, believe and miracles will happen. You just need to believe. We just got to believe, believe, believe. How many sermons have we heard on belief? Jesus said, if you believe, you'll see great miracles. But he said, if we follow, you know what he said, if we follow? If we follow him, he will make something awesome of our life. Scripture for that. He assures us of our impact. Scripture for that. He promises eternal life to everyone who follows him, and he invites us to his mission. You see, those, those that want to see a miracle, just believe. Just believe. But if you want to see all of it, you want to take it all in, and I do. I do. I don't want to just see a miracle that helps somebody get through the next five minutes of their life. I want to see life change that helps somebody get through the rest of this life and into the life to come. I want to see, I want to see real. And you, we don't get that by just believing and sitting around and hoping it's going to happen. We only get that by following him. And when we follow him, you won't have five minutes of awesome. You'll have a life of awesome. You won't just see, you won't just see people touched and maybe get to eat for a day. But you will see people filled and you will see people's lives change when, when you follow and when we follow. And I, I am so, I'm so hungry for that. I'm not, I'm, not just, I'm not just hungry for that result. Maybe because I know what the result is, is why I say this. I am hungry to see people follow again. I'm hungry to see people follow again. And I've got about another hour's worth of notes that I had to cut out of this sermon today. So if you didn't get enough, just let me know. Because there is so much inside of me today that says, in 2022, I want to see 2911 follow Jesus like we never have. And we don't just do that as a group. We have to do it individually. It is your choice. You have to make the choice to follow. If you want to see something cool, then believe. But if you want to see it all, everything that Jesus has ever dreamed to happen in our lives, then you got to follow. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. 
You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.